BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Ooh, I thought I had it. Oh, he didn't back out. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Trap Die Podcast, man. I am your host of the Trap Die Podcast, Molly Mall, Coach Mall, Hand Dog Mall, man, all that good stuff, man. Um, AJ is on the way. Dre is on the way. Uh, and whichever way you are, listen, let's get the administrative items out of the way right quick while we're waiting. Um, first off, first and foremost, appreciate everybody who's been tapping in uh, consistently to this point, man. Uh, appreciate all the ratings and reviews we've been getting. Uh, appreciate the consistency on YouTube, the comments, the, the feedback, all that stuff. Great. Love it. Um, make sure you hit that follow button. Make sure that like button as well on the, on the video. Um, subscribe if you haven't done so. Um, and on, on the audio side, man, if you got two seconds to leave a rating and review, we definitely appreciate that as well. Um, it helps show you support, helps us know that people are listening, man. And got some comments on the on the show, man. Got some positive feedback on the show. Uh, so with that being said, let me get the fellas in here. Um, they're just checking in. AJ, Dre in here, man. Fellas, what's going on with y'all? How y'all feeling, dog? Shit, full blown football mode, dog, man. I've been waiting for this. What we've been we waiting like seven, eight months for this, man. We tonight is the night. This Sunday months. is the day. Right. Man, I, hey, you can't tell me nothing this weekend. I'm all hey, look, if my man Mo all right, bet. Up, I'm, I'm turning up too. I'm about to say you to Drake, Drake be, be talking that shit, man. Talking about some, where, where the Drake at, man. I got the Drake. Come on, that's my man. Montel be yeah. drinking with me. You know what I'm saying? Montel ain't gonna let you down, bro. He always he always got the yak on deck, bro. He always got the yak on deck. Uh AJ, man, what's going on with you, player? Cooling, cooling, trying to uh get on this computer so I could be seen. You feel me? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, you've been I mean, a black, you've been a black screen all summer, bro. Yeah. Other than that, I'm just chilling. I'm just chilling, man. Not not drinking on anything but some essential water. <laughs> Did all this drinking in Colombia? That's what it was. 
Hey, you turned up enough. Hey man, I'm a I'm a I'm a social I'm a social drinker. I don't just I can't just drink just for the hell of drinking. Like, okay. Well, I can't. <laughs> right. Hey, no I, know, I know. I know you can. So, hey. Now I, I get I get what AJ talking about though. Like honestly, yeah, like it really has to be a good day or like I consider this social drinking. Like this is Same. a social drinking for me. Like I, I, I have a little drink if I got some, if I got a bottle in the crib, but if I'm sitting down chilling by myself, bro, yeah, you ain't going to see much drinking. Um, right. Who is this is checking that Monty what's going on with you player. Appreciate you checking in. Appreciate everybody who just checked in as well. Um, we have Alex Clancy, um, coming through around seven 30. Uh, to help help us preview the Arizona Cardinals side of things, man, we're going to talk to him for a little bit, uh, literally, um, <laughs> and, and and get his thoughts on where where the Cardinals are heading into this week one matchup, and obviously uh, his thoughts on the game altogether. Uh, but fellas, man, um, before we get into the game itself, let's. I, I think we can start off with this the season the season preview. Um, Obviously, last week we talked. We, we already talked about like our outlook in, in terms of like if anything has changed for us from the offensive side of things or defensive side of things. Um, but when it comes to uh, this week one matchup, uh, we can we can put that on pause and, and, and kind of discuss like some some bigger things for the team. Um, and and I think if we start out with like our best case, worst case scenarios, right? Um, not necessarily for. Uh, one aspect, if we if we start with the offense, right? Like, what is a, a, a worst-case scenario for the team or, or, like, the best-case scenario for the team in, in terms of 2023? Uh, to kind of paint a picture in terms of worst-case, uh, I, I think a worst-case scenario uh, for me would be uh, not necessarily the fact that uh, the quarterback failed, right? Um, I think that Sam Howe is already a project to begin with because of the, the circumstances that he's walking into. Um, and because of the situation that he was provided, he's now granted he has a ton of experience around surrounding him. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is a Super Bowl winning head coach. Uh, sorry, Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator two times. Um, and and for him to have that experience as a first time, full time starter is very good. So I don't think if the project fails with Sam Howe, that's not going to be uh, a deterrent. It's going to be a little bit more challenging and frustrating given our history. But but I think something for for Washington in the worst case is if they aren't able to protect Sam Howe or if they lose in the trenches once again. Like, I liked what I saw from Sam Cosme in the interior. Um, I actually thought that Nick Gates was cool. Um, and, and and I think I leave that there in terms of the interior. We got to see what Sadiq Charles looks like in his full-time role. But but I think if, if ultimately um, this offensive line isn't able to sustain anything, I have no questions about uh, Cole Turner or the wide receivers. Um, the running backs, I don't have a – a huge fear of I don't I don't think that they're a detriment I don't think they hurt this team I think that they're going to be okay but if this offensive line isn't able to hold up and look any semblances of of what Washington looked like last year in the trenches I think my my worst case scenario is if that happens um and I'll do best case because we can do best case worst case all together I think my best case scenario for Washington um is if Sam Howe is able to overcome all of that um and, and what I mean by that is like Sort of offensive line is shaky, like mid-tier, uh, middle of the pack, or maybe, uh, let's say, bottom half of the league. I'm not going to say bottom 20 or, or or bottom five, but bottom half of the league. I think that Sam, if Sam Howe is able to overcome all the deficiencies that's surrounding him, 
and still prove to be a playmaker. Like the best case scenario is an offense who not only let's go ahead and raise here at my bed. Okay. Not only uh for for Washington seeing Sam Howell. Um, we got a little oh, yeah. issue player. Um, but if Sam Howell's over able to overcome all of those situations surrounding him or or maybe a, a middle tier offensive line, you're gonna see an offense because of the weapons that they have surrounding him be able to flourish in terms of like production points, efficiency uh, under Eric B. Enemy. So um I think from a, a player standpoint, that's my best case, worst case scenario is if Sam Howe is able to overcome his sur- surroundings um, if they do fall or, or, or do uh, fail him. And then obviously worst cases, if that offensive line doesn't look uh, or, or looks somewhat the same as last year's. Uh, I'll go um, for me. Worst case scenario. And this is because I've been kind of saying that this season is more so a win win just because you have new ownership, you know, and in case you're not a Ron Rivera fan, you know, it's possible if Ron Rivera fizzles out, then you're getting a new head coach and a new staff. But if Ron Rivera is winning, you know, then you're having a fun season as a fan, you know, winning football is fun. So with that said, the worst possible case, well, the worst case scenario for me would be Sam Howe just being mid. If he's mid, then you don't, you, 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 you can't, you're probably good enough to win seven, eight games, which is, you know, what you don't want with this team anymore. You know, you want them to just be either really bad or you want them to be really good, of course. But if they're mid again, then you still may not even know what you have in Sam Howell. Like you may still be like, oh, well, you know, he was decent. He was Taylor Heineke good or whatever. And he's still young. And you may still have some people that believe in him, but there's going to be a lot of doubt still. So, I mean, he has to, you know, be definitive in my opinion, one way or the other, you know, for me, at least for the season to be a success, you know, whether it's bad. Okay, cool. You know, we're in the Caleb uh, Williams territory, but if he's really good, then, Hey, we may have found that guy, which leads me to my best case scenario. Best case scenario is Sam Howe absolutely proving to be the guy. And then not just because, you know, I, you know, we need a quarterback and we want him to be the guy and we want to stop answering this question, but more so because what that does to this team is it takes them from a fringe borderline playoff team to now you may be competing with the San Francisco's and the Philadelphia's and the NFC. If Sam, I'm, we're talking if Sam Howe is really good and he's a yeah. franchise quarterback, you know, because you're just looking with the rest of the roster. Obviously, you love the receiving group. Um, you know, the tight ends, you may have a guy or two that we don't know yet. That's a big question mark. Offensive line, obviously, is a big question. But if Sam solves that, you know, question, because then you have a defense, you have a ready-made defense, you know, that should be a play. They're already a playoff defense, which should be. But if you have that quarterback and that guy on offense, like Sam is that franchise guy, like I said, you're competing with San Francisco and Philadelphia. So that's best case scenario for me. AJ, if you heard us, um, or if you didn't hear, excuse me, um, we're talking about best case, worst case scenario for uh, the offense this year. What would that look like for you? I mean, the best case for this offense is to be within the mix at, at least at, at minimum top 20. I mean, last year the offense was so bad that, I mean, it can't really get any worse than that. Um, you know, I feel that Sam Howe at least has uh, the ability to kind of create somewhat outside of the pocket. He has a stronger arm. Um, they're running more of a modernized NFL style offense than running the ball and, and getting two yards per carry <laughs> and uh, not really attacking the middle of the field and utilizing your playmakers. So I feel like, I feel like, 
you really can't fail in this situation, no matter the lack of the experience Sam Howell has as an NFL starting quarterback. Uh, they're pretty much already kind of set to go. It's just, you know, how how does the relationship work between Ron Rivera uh, and Eric Bieniemy when it comes to the offense? Are we really going to see him have full control of that? Is he going to allow Eric Bieniemy to be aggressive in situations? Um, I thought it was positive in the preseason, you know, seeing them utilize the two minutes. Uh, in the past, we didn't really see Ron Rivera and company, you know, really try to be aggressive and move the ball downfield. It was more so we're too scared to mess up and and had the, the field flip. So, you know, those are my main concerns with the offense and things that I'll be looking for as the season goes on. You know, how much control does Eric Bieniemy have if he wants to go for a fourth and four, uh, if he wants to be aggressive in this two minutes or less than two minutes, it could be one minute and 10 seconds on the clock. Like, is EB really going to get his real voice heard uh, in those clutch situations? Because as we all know, Ron Rivera doesn't call the offense, doesn't call the defense. So if you're going to be a manager, <laughs> I, I would hope that you would give those guys uh, that are calling the plays and who have a better pulse on the tempo of the game you know, the leeway. Um, Best case, worst case for the defense. Um, AJ, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a round robinist or snake, snake draft this thing, I guess. I think that's the right word. So you got the, you got the floor again. What's the best case, worst case uh, for the defense? Uh, Best case for the defense is that their pass rushers, as far as edge rush, you know, they show up in, and they produce high-volume numbers. we already seen Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne put up double-digit sacks within this defense. Now, if we can get uh, everyone as a collective to be in double-digit sacks, that improves the, the back end as well. That means that they're doing a good job and uh, possibly creating more turnovers. I think that's what you want to see out of Emmanuel Forbes. That's the best-case scenario for them. Uh, <laughs> the worst case... The, the worst case is you're back to the 2022 season and not creating turnovers. Like you're, you're playing, you're playing somewhat okay defense, but you're not creating those turnovers. I think when you draft a guy like Emmanuel Forbes in the first round, you're really saying to your fan base and also to your team, we need more defensive playmakers. We need guys that can get their ball uh, hands on the ball. Pause. Um, <laughs> but, but that's essentially what you're saying when you commit to a Emmanuel Forbes first round you commit to another D-back uh, in uh, Quan Martin you're saying that we need to make more plays on the ball we need to get interceptions we need strip sacks we need you know force fumbles we need to recover those so I think uh, that's, that's kind of how I see it for the season on the defensive side Trey where you at with this one? I'll start off with worst case. I mean, for me, worst case is if the certain injuries that we've heard about kind of flare up early in the season. Um, of course, there's some key guys, uh, you know, Chase is dealing with a stinger. We don't know how that's going to affect him. I mean, Ron has been kind of coy about his status. And then you have Jonathan Allen with the plantar fasciitis. I mean, 
that could be something. I mean, he's what's still practicing, but that could be a thing that may show up and flare up. And, you know, if we get off to a slow start, which has been our issue on defense for the last few years, that could be detrimental because obviously we're playing a gauntlet of games after the Arizona team. So if the defense is getting off to a slow start again, that could mean this team is starting off one and three, one and four, because that has to be the backbone, at least because with the offense still being a question mark right now. Best case scenario is Chase Young breaks out and he takes this defense to the next level. I've been saying it before and saying it again. Mm, you get, like you get a yeah, you get a game record like Chase to finally live up to his potential with the other guys you have on defense, especially you just drafted Forbes, you drafted Quan Martin, the guys that are supposed to start helping you turn the ball over. A game-breaking Chase Young means this defense is going to start turning the ball over more. They're going to start committing, you know, forcing more turnovers, and this is what you want, and this is going to make you that team. You know, at least it's going to have you that elite top-five defense, and that could hinge on Chase's success. I mean, if Chase is just mid, then you'll probably see still a really good defense, but it's not going to be at the top level you think it could be. But if Chase is who you think he's supposed to be and this is the year he's supposed to break out, that takes the defense to the highest level I think it can go, and that's the best-case scenario. Bro, that's like Chase, the Chase one is such a good I, – I, let me just add on top of that then in terms of best-case. Then I'll, I'll say uh, in addition to your Chase uh, best-case – I think the best case for for me, in addition to the chase, is like the defense repeating as top five uh, statistically and uh, uh, like on tape. Like it's not it's not a fluke thing. It's not a it's not a uh, uh, people were injured or or circumstances allowed them to be a top five defense. Like they are visibly and statistically a top five defense uh, in the NFL again. And I think. For the team's success, I think obviously, as we all know, um, the more opportunities you give your offense, the better. But the more you do it for a rookie quarterback, essentially a rookie quarterback, um, who can use all the possessions that he could, and his offense can use all the best possessions that they can. Um, I think that'll that'll really do numbers for this team in terms of what like the 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 competitiveness from a week to week basis, but also like how they can operate uh 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 on on like every single possession like it it the the amount of um the off for the offense the amount of opportunities that they get things like that all that stuff i said it um but worst case i think for the defense is if the front seven is in shambles um i still i don't know what's going on with cody barton um and i'm not going to keep like uh poking that bear like i'm not going to keep going down that lane because i just said it a thousand times already but at the same time, when it comes to that front shaving, um, I don't know what the cohesiveness is going to look like once everybody is back, like at week one, let alone a Cody Barton who had struggled in preseason, but also struggled catching up um, from a, a playbook and scheme standpoint in the offseason. So for me, my worst case is if that front seven isn't locked in. Um, and, and more importantly, if, if they aren't locked in from the jump, like the slow starts is, is, is bad in itself, but, and, and, and they've been able to make up to some degree, but at the end of the day, um, if like people try to de-emphasize the, the impact of a running game, but if you can control, uh, the, the time of possession, but also control the tempo of the game and dictate, uh, you can, you can dictate the flow of the game and, and not the defense dictating how, uh how they gotta how the offense has to respond like I, I think that that's probably their biggest that's gonna be their biggest issue is if they can't 
stop anything up front. Um, and I think that's the worst case, uh, more importantly, because we've seen what it looks like in 2021. Uh, and that's how bad that's it, it got real bad in 2021 after what was was viewed as a successful defensive season in 2020. So uh, worst case scenarios if that front seven is in shambles, uh, similar to me, that 2021 season. Let me ask y'all a quick question. So is Sweat not hold to the same expectation as, as Chase? They're both first round first round uh, picks and actually Washington traded up to go to go get a Montez Sweat. So what to what context are you speaking of? Like I what, guess what, what, you know Dre Dre said Dre said Chase being an X factor on the defense, you know, uh is is one of his expectations he's hoping for the season for the defense, right? Right. Now so what I'm saying is they're both in contract years. So is Montez not held to kind of the same standard. Of course like one is the second overall pick, but the other one also went in the first round and they traded up. They traded back into the first round to select them. So is he what like what are what are your expectations as far as like Chase Young sack wise and Montez Sweat are they the same or are they different because of Chase being the number two pick? Well, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I mean it's not the same, honestly. I mean, because as you said, we drafted Chase Young with the number two overall pick. When we drafted Montez Sweat, even though yeah, we traded up to draft him. And we we really drafted him and made that trade up because they wanted to draft him and not draft Dwayne Haskins. So they still had to make up and get the guy that they wanted. But no, he was not drafted to be the face of the franchise. Like Chase didn't just come as, you know, a first round defensive end or first round edge rusher. Chase came with the expectation that he was going to be the face of the franchise at the number two overall pick. And whether it was fair to him or not, he was labeled as a generational player. You know, so you you have higher expectations for this guy. Montez Sweat was more into, oh, we may have a freak type of athlete, you know, and he if he can get up, he can be this certain guy. Now, we are disappointed in Montez, you know, at least to the point that we thought we would get more production out of him and he hasn't been a bad player at all he's very solid but we've expected more out of him but with chase the expectations were monumental like you know they were through the roof for chase and rightfully so and then he gave us that defensive rookie of the year and which had fans you know thinking hey maybe this is just scratching the surface we're going to get a khalil mack type of guy you know now we're kind of downgrading the expectations for Chase because we haven't seen him in the last two years. So now we're kind of putting him in the Montez Sweat category. Like, oh, I hope that he at least just do what Montez Sweat does, you know, in a sense. And that's lower in the that's lower in the bar for Chase. Like the bar was higher for Chase. So yeah, the this so the expectation of Chase was that he was going to be a game breaker. Now Montez, we didn't really have that expectation of him, but we had thought he had potential to be something like that. But with Chase came that this guy should be guaranteed, especially when you think about passing over the quarterbacks that you passed over in that draft. I mean, even if you say that, hey, they weren't they weren't going to draft Justin Herbert or, you know, whatever the case may be, that conversation would have been on the table if Chase Young isn't there. They still they, they were going to converse about those quarterbacks. But with Chase Young on the board, the thought was you're not looking anywhere else because this guy is the guy and he's ready made to come in the NFL and, you know, be a terror. We got one year, a really high production for Chase Young two years of injury and disappointment as well as the injury. And now in the fourth year, yeah, we are expecting at least more than half a return on that investment. So the expectations are definitely higher. And I think rightfully so, even though, like I said, it's fair to be disappointed in Montez Sweat and expect more of him, the expectations were just never as high for Montez Sweat as they were Chase Young. Um, Yeah, I, I, was, I was waiting for uh 
I was waiting for a response, but um. Oh no! Nah. I mean, I know we 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 got so much more to go in the show. I ain't about to. Nah, you good? You good? You good? Chase, you good? Chase all day. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, we'll see what what happens. You feel me? This season, like, you know, they they need to secure their bag. So you want to get your bag, you get them sacks. That's that's another thing that I thought. Um, I, I remember writing this article. Um, now, granted, it was a, uh, um, the article. Like it, it wasn't like breaking down film, more so posing a question that was it was an elementary question, but it was a real it was a real question. Um, because honestly, AJ just mentioned it briefly, but you get paid on defense, like you get paid if you're on the front line, the first level, or the third level, you get paid for sacks and you get paid for interceptions. Like I think for for people to to misunderstand, like for for Chase to really like make a significant impact to the point where like he's going to warrant an extension or maybe a tag, however they want to play it to keep him on the team. Just put it that way. Like that that determines that that is something what what Dre is mentioning. Like you have to come in, you have to come through like off rip and show that you are a game changer, and, and that's what's going to take for Chase Young. Now, I don't know, like a sack number in mind. I don't have a sack number. I don't have those expectations in terms of like what he should do this year because I haven't seen him like play much. He only had what three snaps on defense in the preseason. But to that point, um, for your future in Washington to to be continued beyond twenty twenty three, like it does come down to numbers. It does come down to stats and and like expectation level. Um, I think that Montez Sweat had uh he's uh what's the word risen his profile, his profile has risen um since he's been in the league in terms of what he can do for defense. But obviously, like as we know, since we've been on this show, um like he he has a problem closing on his sacks um and, and finishing plays. And also, to be honest with you, from my perspective, from what I see, and I've said this before, so it's not a secret, but like I think that like the comp when the competition of uh, tackles that he's going up against, they they're just as good or better than him. Like he doesn't really raise his level of play. Like he can he can beat up on the tackles that are that are a little bit below him in terms of skill level, or he can beat up on the tight ends. Uh, he can run through the running backs, all those things like that. Um, he may have an occasional win against a tackle just as good as him um, in terms of skill level, but uh, like he has some things going for him as well where there's pressure on him. There's pressure on both of those guys. I think the good thing for the team though is that they're they're cool as shit. Um, Montez and, and Chase. Like there's no beef between them, clearly. Um, they work out together, they have the same agent. Um, and I think that's 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 what really bodes well for this team in terms of what they can do together on this defensive line. Like, I don't think there's gonna be some selfish, some selfish type of play from either one of these guys. I don't think that there's gonna be any uh divisiveness in terms of locker locker room or or even in meetings. Um, so I think that's going to be really good for them moving forward. Unless the pressure starts getting to one of them, like when the season starts and season comes towards the end of the end of the road and you're seeing what, what's actually about to happen based on production, then then maybe animosity sets in. But to this point, I don't see it, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, hey, this this is a great matchup to have one of those Ryan Kerrigan type of games where you just stat pad. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Was, and by the way, that was a little jab at Ryan Kerrigan. <laughs> Look, man. Just in my drink, bro. <laughs> um. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into. Matter of fact, since we on Chase, let's do let's do one little let's do one little messy topic, and then we'll get to like 
yardage and and and, and statistical statistical uh projections. Um Chase Young or Ron Rivera, who's more likely to be here in 2024? Chase Young. Uh Jay, you said Chase? Okay. AJ. Chase Young, he uh he lives in he's from the PG County area, so he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> nah, let me stop. On the ser- on a serious note, Chase Young, man. Okay. So we got some we got Monty saying Chase. By the way, everybody, everybody in this. Oh, he says neither. Mike says neither. Appreciate everybody who's just checking in. Like, make sure that like button, make sure to subscribe button. Uh, we're asking the I'm asking the questions to AJ and Dre, but please. Feel free to comment your thoughts. Let us know where you're thinking with some of these questions as well. So we got Mike saying neither. Monty says Chase. Josh just says AJ tripping, man. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what you said that for for him to comment oh, that. But I don't even know. No, that I care. <laughs> uh, at the end, of, at the end of the day, uh, I just feel like you have you have a young player and and like Dre touched on a generational type of guy, Chase Young. You you can't really just give up on that. Like he he's experienced he's experienced some injuries along the way, uh, so you really haven't seen like the full benefit of him. In a Ron yeah. Rivera, you got a washed up ass head coach that's going into next year would be his fifth year, which would be his final year of his contract. It's like, do you really want to extend that? Because it's a tricky situation. Let's say if Airbnb does what we expect him to do possibly right and he finally he finally breaks through the cracks and gets the opportunity to be a head coach do you want ron rivera to find the next oc he stuck he stuck with scott turner this entire time the staff is the staff is a bunch of older guys for the most part do you really want to keep that type of guy around or do you want to possibly if the enemy ends up succeeding you know amplify his uh profile and and promote him to head coach and tell Ron Rivera, hey man, we'll see you at the at the senior home like Dre's background. <laughs> hey bruh. Uh look you're not lying. You already know where I'm look Ron is this is a matter of time with Ron man. I, I'm counting down the the Ron done fucked up again but now new ownership is in place. I, I got though I got the count he up to two already so is i know with the season not even starting yet he's going to add more to that list um okay uh who do we think is going to actually this is another easy one since we're on the defense still will an edge rusher have double digit sacks this year so um let us know in the chats will a will a double digit sack um guy come from an edge rusher i know that uh Magic said he'll be comeback player of the year. So I would assume that Magic believes that he'll be a double-digit sack leader in terms of Chase Young. Um, but, fellas, where, where y'all at? Will, Will Montez, Chase, or somebody else? Maybe Andre uh, Jones or something like that. You know what I'm saying? What's what's the word? Will we have an edge rusher have double-digit sacks this year? I mean, I want to say yes, but you know, <laughs> we, <don't, laughs> we rarely ever see it happen. And we've been kind of promised this, you know, every year to, oh, you know, we're especially between Chase and Montez, we're going to break the sack record and all this, that, the third. Yeah, I would just love for one of them to emerge as that guy. But I think if it does happen, and I guess just for, you know, the question's sake, I'll go ahead and say yes. <laughs> for the question's sake, I'll say yes. And leave it alone, bro. Leave it alone, bro. Leave it alone. Are you laughing at the comment that just came in? 
I'm laughing at your reaction to the comment. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even move. I forgot I was on camera, dog. I was like, what? all right, bro. I'm man, Mike, man. Mike checked there. Hold on, wait. Let me go ahead and bring it back up. He says that he believes the rookie, the edge rusher is better than Chase. I believe that. Oh, Andre oh, Jones. Oh, oh, okay. I'm just yeah, now. Andre. I thought he was saying rookie Chase was what, what better. What's Stephen A. saying? Stay speak. off the weed. <laughs> the weed. Stay off the weed. Hey, but nah. Um, I, I think I think what's what's bothering me is my my logic versus like reality. Like my logic would lead me to believe you have two good pass rushers, and neither one of them to this point in their career. No matter, despite the injuries, just period. Like, they haven't had that double-digit sack season. Um, Like, in theory, I would say that they're due. But at the same time, it's like, I know that people, they just, they aren't finishing. And, and I think it's a deeper science to why they don't finish. And, and, and I think, and, and that's why it's like, it's, it's not like clear-cut. It's just a deeper science to it. So, like, what that science is, like, we only going to know once their season is over. I'm excuse me. Personally, I believe uh, once their careers are over and you can find what their true trends are. Um, but right now it's like maybe maybe they just haven't found a way to put it all together yet. And I hope that that happens this year. Uh, but to the, to answer the question, point blank, period, will a uh, will a edge rusher have double digit sacks this year? I'm going to go ahead and say no on that one. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of tricky, man, because it's like you're trying to secure your bag. You feel me? No matter if you're a first round pick or not, like, like we touched on earlier in this conversation, if you get interceptions, you're gonna get paid. If you get sacks, you're gonna get paid. You know, Nick Bosa missed what a whole season uh with a torn ACL, but he's produced at a high volume sack wise. And now he's the highest paid non-quarterback in the league as of what yesterday? So yeah. so it's like that's 34 mil a year. You feel me? It's just more so about creating those sack opportunities. And like Maul touched on, yeah, they're not finishing. I, I don't really understand it. But, I mean, if you look if you look at a Sweat and Young in comparisons to like a, a, a Parsons out of Dallas, right, you can clearly yeah. see that they're, all three of them are athletic. It's just that one is more athletic to the point where he can bend. Like being 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, doesn't help, you know, unless you're really just that freaky of an athlete. When you're a Micah Parsons, you six one, six two, you can bend, you can bend, you know, going against a Teron Armstead, a Trent Williams, whatever, and you can get to that quarterback much faster. Whereas Sweat and Young kind of got to do a bit more work with their hands and, and, and leverage, so it makes it it makes it a bit harder for them. But I mean. At the end of the day, I think that they're in a battle to to make sacks on the quarterback and and, and get their bag. Like I think they both want to be paid. They want they both want to be respected in this league. They're best friends. Now it could become some type of issue if they don't stay disciplined within their assignments because they are playing some some mobile quarterbacks, you know, in your division alone. Each guy with the Cowboys, Eagles, um, the Giants, they can create outside of the pocket. Are you going to play disciplined enough to where you don't get outside of your gap? And we've seen that happen a lot with with Chase and and Sweat over the years. And chasing that bag, 
You know, they know they know exactly what we're talking about. If they get the sacks, they're gonna get cast out. Well, AJ, if it's not by Washington, by somebody. AJ, let me ask you this: Would it now? Would it be fair because you brought up Bosa to have that the expectations for Chase to be a Nick Bosa can give us similar production to what Bosa gave us out of injury? Would that be fair to Chase? What I don't know Bosa's stats off the top of my head. What what was his? I mean, it was crazy. But I mean, it was game breaking. You know, I mean, I don't know if it was record breaking, but it was game breaking stats. I mean, he had the, he had the numbers. I mean, he you know put up yeah. the pressures. He had the impact. But what I'm saying is, would it be fair to kind of expect Chase, you know, now this year to say, hey, you have to be this, you know, at least this or close to it? Man, I don't think it'd be fair because you haven't seen it yet. So for a guy to go from what ten and a half sacks, what was that rookie year? to then the following year, maybe four sacks, to now you see this explosion of possibly 15, 16 sacks, he probably be getting drug tested every day. Like, because <laughs> it's just it's just not necessarily, like, realistic. Like, they have a formidable front four, but as Maul touched on, he said front seven, but it's really like a front six because they plan on playing two backers. Like... It's so much that has to happen right for them, in a, in a sense, for them to get, like, over 12 sacks. Right? Or if we're just focusing on Chase himself to be such of a disruptive force with sack totals. He can still be disruptive, but it may not come necessarily with high volume of, of sacks. Um, One 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 quick thing, and I'll move on. Uh, yeah, you're, you're right Um, to, to kind of – kind of be more specific uh front six i guess if you want to add to seven you could do the buffalo nickel move with whoever cam curl or click hudson whoever they wanted to play that role but uh front six for sure um and for the last one because i did see alex clancy pulling up um let's see what this one looks like uh most receiving yards on the team um i think this is a really good one because Jahan, man, I've been I've been saying it for a minute. Y'all y'all know how I feel about Jahan. Y'all know how I feel about Jahan. Y'all know how I feel about Curtis. I mean, uh, Cole. Excuse me, um, Cole Turner. And I don't think Cole is good enough to the point where he can lead the team, especially a tight end with the skills skill positions that or skill the weapons that Washington has at, at wide receiver. Um, but Jahan is is a guy where it's like. He's so nuanced and, and versatile in what he can do. It's hard to really, at least right now, to sit here and say that um, defenses ha- will have an answer for him every single week. Um, and it will be hard to say that defenses can really just cover him with whichever corner is on that side, wherever he aligns. Like, he's going to get some attention whether that's double teams, brackets, or, like, having a, a star corner travel. Like, that's going to be one thing to, to monitor. But I think Jahan is going to have some attention on him this year. So, in terms of receiving yards, who's going to lead the team in receiving yards? I'm going to stand 10 tall on what, I, what, I, what I've been saying since last year. Jahan is going to be the person that has better rece- more receiving yards um, than Terry. And, ultimately, um, we're not bringing injuries into the equation he's going to end up leading the team and receiving yards this year for me. Um, fellas, where are y'all at with who's leading the league? Or excuse me, leading the team and receiving yards. 
hey, I'm with you. You know, I, you know, I'm a huge Dotson fan, and I think this is his breakout year incoming. I mean, um, again, we still don't know what Sam Howell's going to bring to the table on a you know game by game basis, but I think what you will see in Sam Howell, he's he's going to give guys a chance. You know, he and he has the arm strength to get the ball to guys like Jahan, especially in space. And I think Jahan is just going to emerge as that dude, especially in certain situations, because, you know, he's slippery. You know, he's a hell of a route runner. He's going to be clutch, you know, in those third down situations, even the red zone. We saw that last year. And but again, he got hindered by injuries last year. But I think a fully healthy Jahan Dotson, he leads this team and receiver. But I don't think it's going to be like some astronomical numbers over Terry, because I think Terry's still going to get his. But I do think that Jahan is just going to have that type of season this year yeah i think if uh terry didn't have this uh turf toe thing going on i would say him i think he would finally get the freedom to move around in the offensive scheme that he hasn't experienced yet in the nfl but unfortunately man with this turf toe it's gonna linger throughout the year um so it's all about the management of that um so i would probably say who could possibly stay healthier the most could be dotson but he also experienced his own injury situation in his rookie year. Um, yeah, I'll probably have to go. Damn. You just don't want to go with us, right? Nah. So this <laughs> this this what I'll do. I, I'll say that Terry had more receiving yards, but Dotson had more receiving touchdowns. Because I feel like if Terry can muster through the season with the turtle thing, He'll be going against most teams' number one corner. And Dotson, on the other hand, will go against the number twos. And most number twos really not going to be able to stick with Dotson like that. All right, that's cool. I mean, Jahan is it's crazy, though, because I, I don't – that's that's fair because, like, Jahan is, like, one of those rear zone threats that it don't matter. Like, he don't have to be 6'5". Like, that motherfucker know what he's doing, bro. He can break, he can break you down at that. At the at the release point at the top of the route, uh, he can win at the catch point, moss your ass. Like he can he can do it all, and he only what six feet tall, bro. Like that's that's a rare zone threat if I ever seen one, bro. So I get it. Um, okay. So I was still on waiting on Alex. Let's go ahead and like that start diving into Arizona, uh, the preview, um, and things like that. Uh, where are we at with this game? At, uh, AJ, you asked a good question, um, earlier. Uh, I guess I'll give my general thoughts and then answer your question. I'll I'll pose the question to everybody too. Matter of fact, chat. Um, AJ asked this. What? Let me pull up the question. What did he ask? What if the Cardinals when Commanders lose to the Cardinals? What should happen? Um. So, chat. If you all in here, what if the Cardinals lose to the Commanders? I said it wrong. No, what, what what if the commanders it's two C lose words, bro? It's, yeah, what if the commanders <laughs> lose to the Cardinals? What should happen? Um, let us know what y'all think about that. Um, in the chat, but overall about this game, man, I'm excited to see this game. Not necessarily about the the matchup itself, but I'm excited for all commanders' reasons, all Washington reasons. I want to see what this fan base looks like now that they're rejuvenated. It's a sold out crowd. They've been preaching about it for like the past week. I want to see that. I want to experience that. Now, I, I did want to go to the game um, in hindsight. Like, I, I thought about – I've always thought about going, like, if I should get a ticket or not, uh, just to experience that first game without Dan Schneider and, and the vibes and the energy in the stadium. Point being, all that aside, I, I can still feel that love through the stadium. I mean, through the TV screen. So, I would love to just see what that environment looks like on television. I would love to hear 
how the crowd is on a down to down basis, especially on defense. Um, I want to see how energetic they are. I want to see how energized they are. Uh, that's from a stand, fan standpoint. Uh, but from the team, man, I, I can't wait to see what what the enemy rolls out in the first game. Uh, this is a team, again, you're going against the Cardinals team who is projected to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft to this point. Like, they made moves to suggest that they're considering tanking, um, perspective-wise. Um, and, and I don't know what that's going to really look like for them, if it's true or not. But at the same time, like, I'm excited for all the reasons uh, that 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 sides on Washington. Um, now, I'm not stupid. And, and side note, while we're here at Paul's, um, go to the YouTube channel and look at the the few players on on Arizona's side of the ball that you need to be focused on because they're not sweet. Like the quarterback situation is one thing, but they got weapons, and that's going to be very important for us because if you can't stop these guys, you have a long day. Um, so check out the YouTube channel, uh, try it out YouTube channel. Go to the film session uh, playlist. You'll see the, the the latest episode up there as well, um, breaking down those four players in particular. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm 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 very excited just from a, a, a fan standpoint to see what these guys are going to look like in week one, how prepared they are, but also how the enemy and how it performs, but also how the fans uh, liven up that stadium. What will happen or what should happen if they do lose? Um, I don't think anything should happen. Um, I, I already thought that Ron Rivera was on the hot seat. Uh, I think that was a given knowing his record here in Washington um despite what he went through uh the the, own, the new ownership ain't really got nothing to like that ain't their problem sure they may be they may sympathize be like yo i feel I, i'm sorry you had to go through this but you still got a job to do like your main job is to be a football coach so i, I don't think nothing will happen he's already on the hot seat i just think that starting out one and four one and three two and six one and five like how he how he's done in previous seasons um that is where we need to resurface the conversation of what should happen but against week uh against the cardinals in week one i don't think anything should happen i think this is a must-win game for washington right i think this is a must-win game for all the momentum that they have going forward um because you don't want to get thwarted by an arizona cardinals team who just really ain't got shit to lose um you need to go ahead and, and dead them off rip um so yeah that's kind of where i'm at i don't think anything should happen fellas i got the floor yeah, I mean, I think, uh, man, if Sunday four thirty five p.m. we we do a, a, a post game show and it's an L, boy, it's going to get ugly for this fan base. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything realistically happening. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just would not be a good look. Like, someone's definitely going to have to take the blame. But, you know, um, I think you can't take any NFL team for granted. Yeah, the way that the head coach for the Cardinals has handled the quarterback situation as if, like, he's doing some type of magic trick with announcing his starter is weird. But at the end of the day, it's still guys on that Cardinals team, man, that that are trying to secure their bags, trying to play for their family, trying to play for their namesake. Um, they still got some bugs. Uh, you know, James Conner is no slouch. Um, DJ Humphreys is one of the offensive tackles. Then you add in Paris Johnson, may not be the best technician, but he plays hard. He he wants to show off for his, his rookie debut, his first NFL game. 
Um, you still got Hollywood Brown. Still run a four-two something uh, if he plays. Yeah, you still got playmakers that you got to go against, and some guys that you may not even know of that are capable of making plays, like a Michael Wilson, who's a rookie wide receiver. So you can't just sit down and, and, and take them for for play. You feel me? You still got to respect them and, and do your thing. And that's where Ron Rivera, the head coach, has to step in and motivate these guys to realize that, you know, just because they're going through their their season of change doesn't necessarily mean anything. We're both 0-0, you know, to start week one. Get those guys motivated to go out there and play and and, and show they, they ass off because the, the main thing that NFL – fans are waiting for is for this team to possibly lose to the Cardinals and be like, hey, y'all still suck, even if you got a new owner or not. Yeah, um, I'm just excited, man. Week one, opening week, always, you know, even if you think your team's going to be bad, you as a fan, you have some kind of hope, or at least, man, maybe, you know, we could shock somebody this year. But, I mean, this season, you know, it's not really much expectations in a sense to say, oh, you know, I think we're going to be this playoff contender. It's just more so we got a lot of mystery and intrigue, and that's kind of what, what I'm excited about because, like I said, we don't know what Sam Howell, you know, can bring to the table on a game-by-game basis. Eric Bieniemy's new, but he's exciting. He's a new toy. I mean, he, he's got a lot to prove. So you want to see how that offense looks, you know, under these two, you know, and then you just want to see the sense of urgency this team comes out with. Again, I mean, you know, the slow starts, the start of regular seasons uh, under Ron Rivera has been underwhelming, you know. So now we're ready to see if, you know, he's his – Make a break year for him and his coaching staff, his regime. How do you come out? How are the guys going to respond to you and be ready for the season? Now, to answer AJ's question, if you lose, there's two things you do. First, you can be pissed off and upset and angry that you just lost to a team that you should have, you know, been able to overwhelm on opening day. Second thing you do is you just immediately start getting excited and say that you're in the Kayla Williams sweepstakes because if you lose to this Arizona uh, Cardinals team, you're not a serious football team. I mean, I do think, you know, it, it would take a lot for Arizona to win. I mean, you shouldn't be surprised by any team that can win a game in, on any given Sunday in the NFL. But again, this is, there's so much momentum going for this commander's franchise right now. Like I said, the fan base is going to be super energized. You're going to be, uh, you're, you're going to have a sellout crowd at this game. And then you have, you know, they don't even have a starting quarterback, the, the Cardinals. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously the coach is going through this little game as, you know, who's going to start. He doesn't know for the competitive advantage. But neither one of those guys are, you know, known to be any kind of starting quarterback in the NFL in tune and Dobbs. So, you know, that's another thing going. And you're supposed to have a fired-up defense. Like, defense is ready to go out there and hit, guys. I mean, like AJ mentioned, yeah, you have DJ Humphreys at left tackle, but then you have Paris Johnson at right tackle. Yeah, he's a rookie's first round. But this is when those edge rushers, Montez and Chase, are going to have to show their experience and their veteranship in this game. I remember two years ago when we opened against the Chargers, I think they had a rookie tackle, and that guy stonewalled yeah. the hell out of our defensive ends, yeah. you know, in that game. You know, in a game we thought we were probably going to take advantage of the rookie tackle. So Boy, it for him. Yes, exactly. So now you want to see in this game where the maturity and the growth is and Chase Young and Montez Sweat, are they going to take take advantage of going against this rookie tackle when they lined up on this side? You know, even in the interior, I think the Cardinals are weak in the interior line. This is where John Allen and Deron Payne have to get off. So, again, this is not a game. This is a game that would take a lot to go wrong for the commanders to, you know, go out here and blow it. So if they do blow it, then, like I said, I wouldn't have much hope for anything in the season. And I don't know if Ron 
Ron, I don't think Ron Rivera gets fired after game one. I do think that, you know, he's definitely that seat is flaming hot to the point where if you lose to the Cardinals, you could go uh, 0-4, worst-case scenario, with the schedule you have coming up, and Ron is gone. He can be fired at that point. Hey, man, they lucky I ain't got $6 because if Ron Rivera lost week one, his ass wouldn't be going back to his house. Well, AJ, you would have fired him last year. You would have fired him oh, two years ago. He would have <laughs> never. He would have never even got hired, bro. Like, he would have never got hired. Like, but hey, I mean, it is what it, he, it he is definitely what it knows is. his his uh his seat is hot. Like he he feels it. He's all, look. Guess. He's already putting his little pitch in. Man, I don't care if we go eight eight and one again. Man, if we win the Super Bowl down the road, give me. Credit. That's exactly what he said, man. man but um, I got a whole nother question for that. But I know we got our guests with the uh, Cardinals coming on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just checking in too now. So let me go ahead and bring him in. Alex Clancy is joining us now. Uh, the Locked On Commanders. I was look there. You go Locked On Cardinals. <laughs> uh, host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast and Locked On NFL podcast as well, man. Uh, Alex, man, appreciate you joining us. Let me go ahead and remove these overlays too. It's blocking your name. There we go. Boom. Alex, appreciate you joining us, man. How you feeling, boss? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, after what Dre just said, I, I don't know if I want to be here anymore, but I, I mean, I, I can't say that he's wrong either. So I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of perplexed with my feelings right now, but no, I'm sorry, that. Alex. <laughs> no, no, spoke the truth. There was not one thing you said that was incorrect. So I, but 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 listen though, let's let's actually dive into the Arizona side of things. Like, what is the what's the temperature on the Cardinals? Not necessarily from a standpoint of Week One, but like when when Colt McCoy gets cut in the preseason, he's not a world beater. He's not like a a top tier starter. But the idea of having Colt McCoy is like, all right, we're gonna hold this in place until Kyler gets back. Is what I'm assuming. But then you cut Colt. And now you're left with at the time just Clayton Toon because you didn't you didn't have Josh Dobbs yet. Like what is what is the vibes of what what's going on with the Cardinals? Where are you all at? Um, and and trying to even predict how this season could go unless it's just like all right, we're tanking. Yeah, I mean, I think at least for me, you know, I'm just happy that the past regime is gone, that Steve Kahn and Cliff Kingsbury are gone. So it's going to be a tough year win-loss wise, but that doesn't mean you can't see growth in other places. I thought Clayton Toon should have been the starter week one anyways. Colt McCoy has an, you know, a, a noodle for an arm now. Um, he's old. I mean, he's he served his purpose for the Cardinals. He was great for Kyler, um, especially when Cliff kind of had deficiencies in the leadership, you know, ability. Colt McCoy was there for him. Uh Clayton Toon can huck it. I mean, we saw it in Houston two years ago, especially if he would have come out he probably would have been a second round pick and wouldn't have dropped all the way to the fifth, but all in all going into this season, it's going to be just a culture shift. Like this is supposed to be the Arizona Cardinals in name only moving forward because all it's been is this dysfunction, at least for the last 20 years, even though they've had a little success, it's always been with the restrictor plate that Steve Kime is GM and, you know, Michael Bidwell is the owner. So uh, going into Sunday, there's a lot of, I don't knows. Like, you're going to ask me questions. I'm going to say, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Because we've never seen anything like this with such bad quarterback room right now. And it's this is not by design. This is by happenstance. And we're just going to kind of see what we're going to see when we see it on Sunday. So, Alex, I wanted to ask you a quick question because you said that it's a, a culture change, but the owner is still the owner. Michael Bidwell is still there. Mm -hmm. And even in this offseason, you guys have had your own little scandal 
maybe not the the Snyder type of scandal, but it's still there, it's still lingering. Um, and even even with the hiring of Jonathan Gannon, there was like issues with that where the Eagles and the Cardinals had to compromise on the situation of you know what what transpired there and gave a pick maybe the day before <laughs> before the uh, the draft even started. How do, how do you feel overall about Jonathan Gannon as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals and the staff that he's a, he's ensembled uh, so far? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> that's, so let me take your first part first because it's really interesting. So Michael Bidwell, like the analogy that I use is, you know, when you go to a wedding and there's rain or, you know, whatever it is, and there's that tent that everybody's under and it's like a wedding, but it's under a tent. My, uh, Monty Austin Fort down from GM down to the players is going to be like that wedding tent inside of State Farm Stadium with, with Michael Bidwell's domain. So, yes, Michael Bidwell is still the owner, but that doesn't mean that functionality can't be bred just with the GM down. What you want Michael Bidwell to be is a is a check signer. That's it. That's all you want him to be. And, yeah, there were some things that he didn't do very well over the last – since ever he took over his owner and those things – should not be taken lightly and maybe he'll be punished for it, whether it be a fine or suspension or whatever it may be, because whether it be the, the report card grades that he got or the, you know, discrimination and the terrible things he did in the workplace that cannot be taken lightly, like football still needs to be played. And I think with Jonathan Gannon and Monty Osborne in place, at least you can look at it as a functional being inside of, you know, world dysfunction that's been the Cardinals. Now with Jonathan Gannon, I don't know if people remember this, but Patrick Mahomes is really good, and that was the quarterback that they were playing against in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, maybe the defense fell short in the second half, which now he's getting all the blame for the Super Bowl loss. But all he's been since he's come in is a human being. And Cliff Kingsbury was pretty much a robot. Nice guy, total robot. You're getting weirdness, quirkiness from Jonathan Gannon like you got from Mike McDaniel last year. People are like, who the hell is this guy? He doesn't look like an NFL head coach. And then look at what's happened with Miami. So – you can't really judge a book by its cover just because you haven't seen him as a head coach. So like, I just want a leader as a head coach and the Cardinals haven't had that the last four years. And I think so far, at least Jonathan Gannon has been that, I mean, it's still TBD, but so far so good. Let me ask this one quick question, right? Right quick. Cause you, you mentioned this cliff Kingsbury a couple of times. I told AJ and Dre during the season last year, like I was so excited Every single time I saw a Cardinals game, like I, I saw it from start to finish and I saw like a win or a loss. More honestly, when I saw a loss, I was very happy because I wanted to see the hard knocks in season reaction from Cliff Kingsbury. I, I thought that he should have never been hired in the first place. So I'm like, what's going on over here in Arizona? Is this a situation? Because you, you mentioned like you, you wanted a real head coach. You stated that. So obviously I would say you, you weren't in favor of Cliff. But like, how did you interpret Cliff? Uh, from a standpoint of like after losses, I felt like everything was all a. Um, it was like he was scared to address the team. Like he had these, he's he had these some the the same uh, repetitive or recycled phrases, and then he would assign somebody to 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 lead the team in a in a huddle or a speech, and he'd walk off. And I'm like, I don't I don't know if anybody like how do you face the music like you're, you're not i don't even know if you're addressing your team or if they even like really respect you in this manner because you just keep walking off after a loss or you keep just saying the same thing like hey we're gonna be okay all right guys it wasn't our result hey huddle 
close close it out close it out and, and he just walks off so like what was what was your impression of of, of cliff and we'll get back to 2023 yeah i mean you're gonna hear my greatest hits um he was a <laughs> a student who failed calculus and then got promoted to ap calc oh lord like he's never been a winning head coach at any level um nice guy it's never a personal attack that i always have to clarify he's a nice dude interviewed him a few times like nice guy um not an nfl head coach and one that you missed was yeah we got to watch the tape i got to watch the tape i haven't watched the tape yet whenever anybody would ask what was wrong got to watch the tape got to do better got to be better cliff hey, kingsbury hey, alex that sounds huh? like the head coach of the commanders over <laughs> there because he tells the I media mean, all the time you got to watch the tape as if he's calling plays on the offensive defensive side and not watching the game with his arms folded the whole time like a fan. <laughs> Mr. Ron Rivera not not beloved in DC. What are we doing here? I mean, here's here's hey. the thing. Ron Rivera at least had he had pedigree 85 Bears. He had pedigree, you know, DC. I think he was the DC with the Chargers before taking the Carolina job. He had Super Bowl pedigree and now, you know, I don't I think it'd be a lot worse like I will leave you to your Ron Rivera because you know him a lot better than I do. Um, but yeah, I think with Cliff, like it was more like, why are they winning when they were winning? Why are they losing when they were losing? And the problem is nobody knew. And my biggest thing with with Cliff Kingsbury, and I could be completely wrong because this is what I've been writing for, you know, 1400 days now almost is Kyler Murray wins in spite of Cliff Kingsbury, not because of him. And Kyler Murray's growth in this league is because he hasn't had an ecosystem surrounded by a coach that could actually coach him at an NFL level. So when Kyler Murray played well, they won. When the defense turned the ball over, they won. I don't think it had anything really to do with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, my favorite thing to say about him was Cliff Kingsbury could put together a great movie trailer, but the movie wasn't always that good. Like if you watched Entourage with Medellin, it's a perfect example. Like the movie trailer is fantastic, but when he can call a couple plays here and there, but the overall movie usually trash. Quick, you got it, AJ. If I could answer a quick question. So with, with you saying that, I mean, I've, I've watched some Cardinals games over the year under the, the Cliff uh, Kingsbury uh, um, regime. Mm-hmm. With, Kyle, with Kyler Murray, do we feel like this, this new atmosphere, these new executives that are being brought in, uh, like Monty and now the head coach again, and they really want to see Kyler within their – their offensive scheme because of those reasons with Cliff? I think they're all in. Jonathan Gannon's all in on Kyler Murray. Okay. Yes. Loves him. Loves him. So so then the follow-up is, are you guys running – of course, like I know the OC has a background of coming from the Vikings and the Browns. Yeah. Are you guys hoping to potentially get to the point where you're running something similar to what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts? when Kyler gets back on the field? Because I, I really don't know I really don't know what to expect from the Cardinals offense on on Sunday because the two schemes that the OC has come from, I don't really feel like you guys have the personnel that matches with that at all. Yeah, I mean they're gonna run a lot of 12 personnel. It's gonna be a lot of play action. Like think of this, think of the Cleveland Browns the last two years with Kyler Murray at quarterback. You know, it's it's kind of thing where it's like, okay. Jacoby Brissett, they won four games last year with Jacoby Brissett and not a lot of offense. They had injuries across the board. I mean, Amari Cooper was fine, but they have Donovan Peoples-Jones as their second. uh, You know, uh, David Njoku had a breakout. Nick Chubb was fine last year, 
They won four games with Jacoby Brissett with this offense. If you can put Drew Petsing and Kyler Murray in the same room together and be able to have Kyler Murray under center and not clapping instead of saying hike like an adult that Cliff Kingsbury had him doing, like this is an adult offense. They're going to run the ball between the tackles. They're going to run off tackle. They're going to set up play action. And they're going to throw the ball down the field with two tight ends, with Zach Ertz and Trey McBride. Both Trey McBride's going to be really good if he's put in the right situation. You can run 12 personnel with this team. So it's going to be an adult football offense and not a mad and uneasy offense that didn't necessarily work all the time. It was fun with Cliff, Mm -hmm. the air raid, but this is an adult offense. So that's what it's going to look like. I mean, it's going to be boring. But with Kyler Murray comes back, now you have Joshua Dobbs and Clayton Toon who are mobile guys. That was my reason for saying Clayton Toon should start because think of him as like a practice squad quarterback until Kyler Murray comes back going in through this offense kind of a way that Kyler Murray would instead of having Colt McCoy who's going to stand back there like a statue. So, yeah, the offense is going to be interesting. All of this is still TBD. We TBD. don't really know what's going to see it on the field. All right, well, look, let me let me try and phrase this question to 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 – to kind of give us some insight into what what could happen in, in week one. And, and Alex, I appreciate your time, man. I, I know you had a hell of a day. Um, yeah. but you, you made some you made some time out for, for Trapper Dive, man, at Hogs Haven. So I uh, definitely appreciate you. Um, I, I guess I'll ask you this. Uh, based on what you've been able to observe through training camp, what you've been able to deserve observe through uh preseason. I know the starters mainly played against the Kansas City Chiefs for the most part, especially on the offensive side of football and the offensive line as well. Um, what what can you expect against the Washington Commanders? Um, and, and and what is your prediction? But also, I'll add in this. How, how does Cardinals fans not necessarily perceive them in terms of just the matchup itself, but how do they perceive the, the Commanders? Like, is this a team that, that y'all wouldn't be surprised if you all beat? Um, what's the vibe on, on how the commanders are being perceived within the Arizona circle and community and things like that? I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, all I'm looking at is the front seven. And I think that's pretty obvious. Like that's, that's the strong suit. It's Montez Sweat, Deron Payne and, and Chase Young. I did a couple podcasts actually yearning for the Cardinals to trade for Chase Young. It's like, okay, hmm. give him a third and a fourth. They don't want him like, Chase Young, I know, is soured. All he needs is one, like, 10-game pocket where he's Chase Young from his rookie year, and you guys are going to love him again, right? So when you look at when you look at him, you know, on the other side of the on the other side of the football, and now you have an offensive line with Paris Johnson Jr. never played before, sixth overall pick. DJ Humphreys left tackle getting older. The interior of the offensive line has, has been a problem for the Cardinals for years, even though they've updated a little bit. All it is is the front set. That's it. That's all I'm seeing. Because the cornerbacks for the Cardinals aren't great. They didn't really focus on that this offseason because you can't focus on everything. Terry, you know, Terry McLaurin's back, uh, Jahan Dotson, like that's going to be a terror regardless. So it's me, the front seven versus the offensive line. That's all I'm thinking about. And if the Cardinals can overcome the the uh, commander's offensive line and get to Sam Howell, who's never started an important game in his career yet. So those are the two. It's really just the lines on both sides. What do you see in terms of your prediction for the game? Is this a um, is it? Are you predicting a, a Commanders win, or or is it a, a Cardinals win, or what? What's the what's the is the Cardinals upset? What's what's the vibe? What, what are you thinking about this one? I'm thinking 30 to 13 Washington. I think is about Ooh, right. Lord. Seriously, yeah. that's how I mean, somebody well, predicted a blowout for Washington. We lost. 
it's not Sam Howell's fault that he had two awesome running backs in college. The dude can huck it, you know, I mean, and he's got guys, he's got playmakers, Brian Robinson, Antoine, you know, all you guys need is a court. Like there's no reason why with your skill position players now that you don't contend for the NFC East. Now it just, it just depends on how Sam Howell can play. Like if you pop Kyler Murray healthy there, you win the division or you're, you're there winning the division. Like if Sam Howell can be that guy and not lose games for you, kind of like how Taylor Heineke started until he actually had to play every week and it wasn't as fun. Like you guys can win a bunch of games. So that's why 30 burger, I don't think maybe that has a defensive touchdown included, <laughs> uh, but you know, I don't think a 30 burger is that far fetched. Hey, Alex, are you yeah. also a fan of this team besides discovering them? You know, I grew up in LA. Um, I lived in San Diego and I moved out. I've been doing sports radio in Phoenix for 12 years. Um, I, I, you always want the team that you cover to succeed. It's just more – you want them to be yeah. great or you want them to be bad. Yeah. Like somewhere in the middle, it's always kind of like, well, you know. So I always want them to succeed, but I'm not going to shoot rainbows and butterflies of, of people's rear ends if that's not what's actually happening. Um, no, I, re- I respect that. Yeah, but I mean, you know what? The thing is, though, with week one, who knows? If, if the Cardinals win 17-16, would I be shocked? No, I mean it's week one. Nobody's ever nobody's played yet this year. Yeah, preseason to preseason, you know, Terry McLaurin kind of tips the scales even more for for uh, for the Commanders. But yeah, I'm I'm just stoked to watch football, man. So so I guess I wanted to ask you real quick before we get you out of here. Uh, you already made your prediction, uh, uh, thirty to thirteen. Uh, but I'm so intrigued by this Kyler Murray situation yeah. and what possibly could be the Cardinals having the number one pick or another top five. I love the trade that they did with the Texans. I don't know what, I don't know how that all played out. That was a massive (laughs) get for them. But with Kyler Murray, let's say hypothetically, the Cardinals end up with the number one pick in the 2024 NFL draft and Washington DC's own Caleb Williams is coming out of college because we've already heard kind of like the Eli Manning, John Elway thing, kind of like, oh, I'm waiting to see who has that number one pick because there's no lottery like the NBA. I may just stay at USC. If they get that number one pick, would you encourage the Cardinals to trade Kyler Murray and draft another quarterback in a Caleb Williams, kind of like what they did with Josh Rosen before they selected Kyler? Or would you tell them to keep it rolling with Kyler and build around him? Because as you stated in this conversation, they haven't really built an ecosystem around Kyler. I don't know. <laughs> That's the second one. That's the only one I'm going to do. Like with Kyler, so it, it, it's going to be predicated upon how much Kyler Murray plays this year and how good he looks. So that's the easy answer. So say he comes back in week eight and they're one and six. And he plays three or four games. They win one out of four, but the team's so bad that it doesn't matter. Then it's really going to be a determining factor on if Jonathan Gannon has seen enough and Monty Osborne has seen enough to to run with Kyler for the future. So they're going to have to eat money no matter what. He's going to be expensive the next two years on the cap no matter what. Now, put it this way. What's What's more beneficial? What's more valuable? Say they have the first and second overall pick. Like say like perfect case scenario, they have Houston's pick and they have their own pick. First and second overall. Drake May plays well, Caleb Williams plays well, Spencer Rattler plays well, and then another quarterback plays well. So there's four guys. 
that quarterback hungry teams, maybe like the commanders are going to look at and be like, yo, we need one of those guys. Okay. The Cardinals could get three firsts and three seconds and a player for first overall pick. It's going to be the biggest haul in the history of football. Maybe not the, the, um, the, Oh my God, what's his name? Uh, the Herschel Walker trade, but like for a first overall pick, it's going to be three firsts, three seconds, whatever anybody wants for Caleb Williams, 15 teams are going to want that pick. Yeah. That's one. They have the second overall pick. You could draft Marvin Harrison Jr. there, or you could take two or three more first rounder picks and move down two picks and draft Marvin Harrison there. So they could get legitimately six first round picks for those two picks and still draft the best wide receiver in the draft. That's the ideal. So, and then keep Kyler Murray. And then with that, say you run with Kyler in 2024, you use two of your three first round picks that you have for each of the next three seasons and trade for a quarterback. Like you don't have to keep Kyler forever if it doesn't work just because you pass on Caleb Williams. You know, like the world is their oyster with this. They just need to figure out Caleb Williams is the guy like, dude, anybody would look good against the the teams that Caleb Williams has played against so far. (laughs) But we just need to see what he's like for the entire year. Yeah. That's, that's why it's so intriguing to me because it's like, the Cardinals are in a perfect situation to either build or to, in my opinion, to build around Kyler. Cause like you stated, you get the first, if you get any pick in the top five, you're getting a late, a late player out of this next year's class, whether it be a Marvin Harrison Jr. Or let's say Cardinals keep Kyler. You could get a wide receiver and Brock Bowers out of Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, that's your eco, that's your ecosystem. So it's just intriguing to me. I know we really can't talk too much about what the Cardinals are going to do this year uh, as you you really plan with like a 58 overall quarterback in Madden as your starter. <laughs> but I, I do like the kid, Michael Wilson. Uh, I think yeah. he's going to have a good game against the, the Commanders on Sunday, by the way. Yeah. No, agree. Alex, man, I, I appreciate you sticking around with this man and chopping it up for a little bit. Uh, I want to give you the floor before you get out of here to just plug in anything and everything that you got going on. Uh, and, and look, man, enjoy your weekend. Hopefully you ain't got a busy Friday because Fridays Fridays are for relaxing, regardless regardless if you actually work on that. But uh, plug the, the, the floor is yours, boss, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner, Locked On Arizona Cardinals, Monday through Friday, free wherever you get your podcast, and on YouTube. I appreciate you guys having me. Sorry about being a little late. Oh, no, 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 no problem, boss, man. Appreciate you just joining us, man. So stay safe, man. Enjoy your weekend, boss. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right. So there goes Alex, man. AJ, let's get out of here with a quick prediction of the game. Um, Score prediction. I'll go first. Um, And MVP, I guess that's kind of how we do how we used to do things. It's been a year. (laughs) But um, uh, game score prediction, I'm going to go. Uh, I, I'll go 24 to 13 Washington. Um, I think the MVP, my boy, my boy, Cole Turner, man, he got the breakout game against the Arizona Carter, but I'm going to tell the world, I told you so that this motherfucker dogs. I'm going to go Cole Turner, man, Cole Turner, MVP, 24-13, Washington, start 1-0, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'll probably go, hmm. I want to say 20, 23-10. Um, I think the MVP of the game will be um, Jihad Dotson. 
I think uh, also the defense. I think the the pass rush overall uh, from Payne, Sweat, Young, Allen, I think that they will be very impactful in the game uh, as far as stopping the running and getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, Washington should end up with the W, and hopefully Sunday we'll be able to have great things to say and, and they'll be injury-free on Sunday as well. Boom. There it is, man. Hey, appreciate everybody who watched to this point, man. Uh, if you haven't done so, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Appreciate it, Dan. Uh, appreciate you checking in, big dog. I hope all is well with you. Um, shout out to my man, Drake London. Um, nothing special for real. Uh, you know, he's just a dog, so I got to make sure he knows that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hell we talking about Drake London, ass. Don't worry bro. about it, Brad. Drake, Drake <laughs> London, that my, that my boy, bro. He about to have a big week one, man. You know what I'm saying? You, you, must, uh, you must have him in fantasy league or something. Like. Nah, but it's actually a good idea to check. Uh, I did a, I did an auto draft on the fantasy league for my job. I don't do fantasy like that, but I'm going to see if they got Drake London sitting around. That's going to be my boy. Um, But, yeah, that's it for us. Y'all stay Hey, shout out, shout out to Jameer Gibbs. He is about to go off in this Tonight. game. Hey, against the Chiefs. Lions uh, put six and a half, baby. Let's I, get it. I'm so excited to see how the Lions use him. I think you're going to see an Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey type of debut from Jameer Gibbs tonight. Um, that's what I'm most that's looking forward to in this for game. A week, for a week one opener, but hey honestly, man, I think honestly, that honestly, I think man, that boy get a rushing man. touchdown and a receiving touchdown tonight. Get your boy do your thing, bro. But that's gonna wrap it up for us, man. Look, enjoy y'all weekend. We, do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> we finna be we finna be a back post game talking about everything Washington Commanders, man, and, and Arizona Cardinals <laughs> week one. So see your boy AJ, man. He in a he in a little good mood, man. I think we all in a good mood, bro. Football back fresh up. <laughs> I'm gone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it off. You gon' let him hit the holder. You gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and longer. You gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us. Put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on. Keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap and Dive. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.